0: I need a break. Do y'all need a break? I really don't like doing everything with everybody all the time, but today was the perfect setup, right? And uh, I think that today we want to talk about something that is um, really important for us. It fits in right in with, right in well with where we're going in the meeting right after this time. Uh, for those of you that are guests with us, we're having a faith family meeting that is about our budget. And uh, if you don't remember what that's like in your family, in my family, it's a little contentious. I don't think my wife would would be bothered, bothered for me to say the fact that when we work on budget stuff, we come at things from two very different ends. Anybody else like that? Anybody? We come at things from two very different ends, but we all have the same goal in our family, which is to make sure we have enough food on the table, uh, but before that, even enough money to give and enough money to do the things we need to do to stay safe and to stay healthy. Uh, we want to do those things, and as a church... We've got to work on making sure those things happen for us as well in different ways, in different formats. And sometimes budget meetings can be contentious. I don't anticipate that. So if you're a guest with us and you want to learn what we're doing, you're not walking into a contentious time. You can stick around. We're going to have donuts and fruit and all that. But what I want you to to know, those two things don't sound like they go together, do they? Donuts and fruit. That's what we're going to have. Um, I I want you to know that when we're talking about membership in a church, we're talking about being a part of a faith family. It really is that, and sometimes we can get up here, and we can, we can really just, we can be so formal in what we do that we kind of lose perspective of what it's all about, because I don't know if you remember this, right, but you were saved into a kingdom that is owned and ran by a God who loves you so much that he gave you his one and only son to buy you into that kingdom. And he gave his life for all of us. He died the death with our sin placed upon his shoulders. And God's wrath was poured out, should be poured out towards us because we don't live up to the standard he set for us. He poured it out on Jesus in our place. And and that that means for us that when you are brought into that family, it's not like you get a choice of being a part of that family. You're just a part of the family. It's like when you're born or when you're adopted, you don't generally get that choice. You know what I mean? You're just born into that family. It's a thing that goes together. You can't separate the two. And today, we're going to talk about church membership in that way. If you would, turn in your Bibles, if you have one with you, to Hebrews chapter 13, and we're going to be in one verse today. We're going to be in one verse. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. And we're not going to spend a lot of time in it. Uh, I want us to just to really kind of break down the verse and what it means. I challenge you, this is part of your homework, is to go home and make sure that you read the context of this in the book of Hebrews, because... I could get up here and say whatever I want to say, and if you're not paying attention, you just believe what I say, you may be in a bad spot, right? So, you're responsible for your own spiritual maturity, for your own spiritual understandings. I'm here to help guide us as one of your pastors. And so, today, as we look at this text, you take notes wherever the Lord kind of works in your heart, you make a note of that, and you begin to pray on that throughout the week. Go back and read this passage, the whole book of Hebrews. It's hard to interpret this book, actually. It's a little difficult, but I know you can do it according to the Holy Spirit that lives within you if you are the Lord's, and so uh, I encourage you to go do that, and we're going to look at one verse, and uh, this is kind of just a verse that Paul just flies by that has to do with church membership. You you know, you may wonder, why are not we going to the one passage that says, hey, you should join a church. Let me tell you a secret. You ready? There is none, because what they understood about being a part of a church is not the way that we talk about being a part of a church it's different. We have changed things in so many ways, and we have relegated the idea of church to be almost like a club in a lot of ways. I'm not saying just us, but in general, especially in the Western world, and that is not the way it's meant to be. In scriptures, it is not meant that way. In fact, Jesus hardly ever mentions the word church. He mentions the word kingdom way more, way more, exponentially more than church, but then you see that thing reversed when you get to Acts and beyond in the, in the, in the scriptures, in the timeline after Jesus, it becomes way more about the church, including the kingdom. Because the kingdom is great. The church is something that's a part of the kingdom. It's a part of pushing forward the kingdom. And we have verses in scripture that say things like this from Jesus, that we are a part of this kingdom and that when every ethne, when every people group has heard the gospel, then Jesus will come back. And the church is in charge of doing that. He gave that to the disciples, which is given to us in John 17. He prays for you and for me specifically as he prays for the disciples and those who would come to belief based on what they do. That's us. Jesus was praying for us the night before he went to the cross. I mean, there's, everything is replete in the scriptures. Old Testament pointing to the kingdom to come. The kingdom had arrived and Jesus was not fully consummated. And at the end of time, he will fully bring in the kingdom. And in the meantime, he has left us as the church infused with the Holy Spirit, the priesthood of the believers, plural. It's always plural in the scriptures. And that we are then to be pushing out the kingdom work. So we need to understand what it means to be a part of the church. And some of us in here are members of this church, and some of us are not members of this church, and we all need these reminders today. So don't hear me, folks that are not members, that I'm just talking to you. That is not the case. In church, regular attenders and members, listen in. This is for all of us. We need to think differently about what it means to be the church. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to push you. This is the one main point you're going to hear over and over again today. So if you're going to write some down, this would be it. Go ahead and get it out of the way. Write it down. I'm going to tell you this statement, and it's going to be two parts, so hang on the first part. And hear me right. Don't cut me off after the first half. Agreed? Okay, here we go. First part. Don't join the church. That's the first half. Write it down. Don't join the church. Submit to your king. Don't join the church. Submit to your king. That's what this is about. Church membership is not about joining a group of people because they have preferences like yours. It's not about joining a a, a faction of people that broke off from here or went over there. It's not about doing that because you like a certain thing about it. It's about obeying the call of your king to follow him, and that means that you will become a part of The church. And that means that you will be a part of the local expression of that in a particular gathering of people. Today, we're here together to do that. And you need to find one of those to participate with because this is not a club. In fact, I would say that that the church is not a club. It's more like an embassy of a kingdom. It's like like a a nation within a nation, right? You know what embassies are like? Some of you do, some of you don't. I'm going to say it real quick. It's like an embassy is a, a piece of ground in the middle of another nation that is owned by a separate nation. And we are like that. In fact, Ephesians 2, Paul says this in verse 19. He says, so then, talking to the Christian church, he says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You're fellow citizens, fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Look, you're not joining a club you are submitting to your king when you become a part of the church. And say it another way we aren't submitting to a democratic republic either. We're submitting to a monarchy. And the king is Jesus. And so it's not about what we want. It's not about what we like. It's not about what we want things to go a certain direction or other direction. It's what does God want us to do? Now, This local congregation will look different than other local congregations because they will be moved in by the Lord with particular talents and things that they're good at. They'll be in a certain local predicament and they will then understand how they are to apply that based off their passions to reach people nobody else could reach. And we're gonna find those things about us if we haven't already, individually and together. And we're gonna try to be the church God has created us to be within the confines of being the church. We can say this, every church on the planet is meant to make much of God or glorify God and make disciples. If you're not doing that, you're not a church. That's that's the, the bare nuts and bolts of being a church. But we have specific things God has gifted us to do in that. Part of that is understanding that we are under a monarchy, a king, and we're not under a president. We're not under anything lesser than a king, but we're under a king. So I want you to look at this passage with me where Paul just kind of runs through. In fact, if you went back up to verse 7, he talks about remembering your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And then he goes into kind of a whole reason for that. And when he ends up in verse 17, he says this quick flyby right at the end of his letter here to the Hebrews, and he says this. He says, obey your leaders, verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them. Man, we don't like that word, right? Obey your leaders and submit to them. Why is submit worse than obey? I don't understand. It's kind of the same thing, right? But it does hit us differently, doesn't it? Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. As those who will will have to give an account. They're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. All right, so let me put this in some terms for you. I'm going to give you just a few points to go with this and ask a few questions in line. Are you ready? Some of you are not, but we'll get you there. All right, so the whole point again, don't join the church. I'm telling you to submit to your king to be a part of a faith family, a local body. So here's the first thing we need to see. Look at that first phrase. Obey your leaders and submit to them. In this, if we really believe this is the word of God, if we really believe that this is authored by a man who was inspired by the Holy Spirit, God's own spirit, to speak these particular words. In this church, we hold to a truth called verbal plenary inspiration. That means we believe that God ordained each and every word and that every word is important. That's why we read out of and we encourage you to study out of a word-for-word translation. It's a little harder to understand at times. This English Standard Version I'm reading out of is a word-for-word translation. And it says, obey Your leaders and submit to them. Now, if we believe that's really God's word, this is what he's saying from the king, right? The emissary is telling us, the king requires you to obey and submit to his under shepherds. You see, those of us who are leaders in the church, we are not leaders in a hierarchical way of like having lording over people. We're here to serve. You'll see that in a second. And your job as a part of the faith family is to submit and obey the leadership. Now, it doesn't mean blindly submitting to them. But this question I have to ask you is if you're not willing to submit to the leadership and the authority of the church as it's been placed over you, as you're submitting to it right now in the teaching of the word, if you're not willing to do that, the question is why are you unwilling to commit to this faith family? Why is it that you're unwilling to commit to this faith family? Now hear me right. You can be a member of this church and not be committed to this faith family. Our membership roles don't necessarily mean people are committed. Right? But I am talking about those who have not become a part of the church and also those who are not committed in other words now that doesn't mean you got to be here at everything let me make sure i'm right you don't have to be here every time the doors are open to be a good church member that's that's a false dichotomy we create that you've got to if you go to church all the time you're a good faithful christian and if you don't you're not a good christian that's not the thing at all in fact i would argue come here for the main things being a part of a small group listening to the word worshiping together and then go out and make disciples Make some time for yourself to do that. Otherwise, how are we ever going to impact the world with the kingdom of Christ? We can't do it, right? What I mean, though, is are you unwilling to commit wholeheartedly to what Jesus gave his whole life to? To the church. Read Ephesians 5. He died for the church, not just for individuals, but for the church. Secondly, we see this right here, right? The next part. For they are keeping watch over your souls. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. So the king requires this of you for the sake of your soul. Do you you hear that? He's put in place something to help you be healthy, something to help you to grow, something to help you to be made into the image of Christ. And we see here that part of that is submitting to the leadership of the local church, that, that their job is to help you be healthy and to help you be in a good place for the sake of your own soul. There's nowhere else in the world that has that job. There's no other organization in the world that has that job except the church. Some people like to try to do that through self-help books, but we all know that you've tried to help yourself a lot in your life, and usually it ends up in not such a great place. But the Lord Jesus, if you've met him, has changed you, and you're a different person, and you know he can really make a difference. He can really change you. And so this king here is not just telling you to do it so you'll submit and obey to be oppressive. He's giving you that for, this is the reason, look at, it, look at that verse again. Whenever you see the word for or because, he's telling you, this is the reason for what I just said to you. This is the reason I just said this to you. Obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls. So submit to them because they're keeping watch over your souls. You may not know how many people are praying for you by name, if you're a part of this church or a regular attender, weekly. They're keeping watch over your souls. That means staying awake for your souls watching over you, caring for you from afar and near, making sure no alarms are going off, making sure nobody's trying to encroach and steal you away by false teaching, making sure that that you're walking in a healthy place. You're being prayed for regularly in this place. And as we leave, as our leaders are praying for you, our deacons, our pastors, our staff, we are praying for you regularly. We are watching over your souls. So therefore, God's saying, submit to that leadership. Obey that leadership. That's a part of it. We have such a hard time submitting to anyone, don't we? I mean, if somebody came up to you and said, Hey, give me your gun. Right? Give me your car. I say guns because that's the one that blows up a lot of people where I'm from here in Alabama. Give me your car. Hey, you can't go, you can't go in your house right now. You'd be like, who do you think you are? You don't have the right to tell me that. You don't have the right to take that from me. You don't have the right to tell me what to do, right? Right? That's the, that's what we're steeped in. It's so hard for us then to submit to anything. And we are a non-committal culture. We don't want to commit to anything. We wait until the last minute to commit to anything to see if anything else better pops up. Right? Come on, it's not just young people we have to blame it on young people. It's not just young people, it's everybody. I've talked to many of you who are not, quote, young. I'm sorry. But not and I hear this. We struggle. We all struggle with the same thing. There's so many options, there's so many things out there. We don't want to commit. But God is saying submit to and obey your leaders for they are caring for your soul we need this we're not meant to do it alone we're meant to be the body of christ so don't join the church submit to the king for the sake of your soul listen here's the question is my decision not to commit to this faith family having a detrimental effect on my soul Hear that is my decision not to commit to this faith it's a decision it may be one that's done passively is my decision not to commit to this faith family having a detrimental effect on my soul or on the souls of my family or on the souls of my friends because they see that it's not an important thing to be a part of because they see it's not something to give your lives to even though christ gave his life to it right is it having a detrimental effect that's the question it requires it for the sake of our soul. Let's look at the next phrase. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. You may not recognize that very much, but they are doing so, we are doing so as those who have to give an account. We understand the burdensome task that we are called to as leaders in the church, and it is heavy at times. When we have to deal with someone who has transgressed the law and transgressed something of sin and done something they should not have done, we have to bear the weight of that with them. We go to them, we go to the Lord on their behalf. We pray for them. We meet with them. We talk with them. We encourage them. We rebuke them. We exhort them. We do all those things we're supposed to do. And it is a heavy thing to do. We understand there's a weight there. In fact, let me just tell you, James three one. If you've ever thought about being in leadership in the church, here's a warning coming from James in three one. He says not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, will be judged with greater strictness. They're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. If you are ever a part of a church where somebody is flippantly using their authority for their own good, run away from that church. If I ever do that to you, punch me in the gut, tell me to straighten up, and if I don't do it, run. Run give you permission. Give my attention somehow. Slap me in the face. Whatever you got to do, do it. Make it happen. You've got to make sure that you're not submitting to something like that. But if they are loving you and caring for your soul, you also need to submit to that leadership. Listen, we accept this greater burden of judgment because we want to love you like Christ loves the church and gave his life for her on the cross. It's not because we want to be on a stage. It's not because we, we, we want to get up in front of people and, and have accolades and have people follow us and like us on Twitter or Instagram and some of that stuff. Okay? That stuff's fun to play with for everybody, I guess. But really what we want is for you to become more like Christ. That's why we do everything we do. And sometimes you're going to have to trust what we're leading you into because sometimes you won't see it or you won't like it. But you trust that we're trying to care for your soul. We're trying to care for your soul. Listen, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 5. Here's here's some things called out to us as leaders, to those of us who are elders, who are pastors. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. We have to keep ourselves in check that it's not under compulsion, but because we want to. As God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, Jesus, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And how much of our problems would be solved if we were to just walk in humility, right? All the way around. Leadership, those who are following leadership, those who are coming up in leadership. Leadership. Acts 20, as Paul's about to leave the Ephesian elders, Acts 20, 28 through 30. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, he says, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God. That's the purpose, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. That's the value of the church, the person of Christ, right? Right? I know that after my departure fierce wolves will come in among you not sparing the flock and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. You may have a pastor come to you at some point and say hey what were you talking about over here about this particular thing because they want to make sure you understand rightly the truth because they love you. Receive that well but understand that's part of God's caring for you through your leaders. You may have somebody say hey you know what I'm not sure if you're ready for that particular thing yet in in this leadership role. Trust me, I want you to be, can we walk together a little more? Or or how about, sometimes you just feel like you're ready for the next step, and maybe the Lord puts a check in your spirit, and then all of a sudden another leader says, yeah, you need to hold off. Not quite yet, right? Or maybe he says, hey, step out. And you're like, I'm not ready. Trust the Lord. Step out. You need to trust and obey and submit to your leaders in that way. We're never here to over, the Lord that over you. Now listen, this is hard stuff. I'm talking about stuff nobody wants to I'm saying it out loud. I don't even like to hear it. You know what I mean? So so hear me right when I, I say this. But look at this last part. Remember, don't join the church. Submit to your king. That's what you're doing when you're a part of the church. You're submitting to the king. And here's one of the big things. i read that whole verse. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. As those who will give have to give an account, let them do this with joy. Listen, let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Just put that in any other context. It makes sense no matter where you put that, right? Let's talk about teachers and students. How many of you are teachers? Come on, be proud of being teachers, right? Okay. All right, so teachers and students. Don't you want your students to come in your classroom and do what you ask with joy? Isn't it better for everybody if everybody comes in and does it with joy? If it's true and right and they have an assignment, just do it. Unless you're asking to do something crazy that's not good, but do it with joy, right? So read that again. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. Let your leaders lead over you and lead you in the right direction without groaning about it. Because you know what happens, teachers, when a student begins to buck the system, every time they begin that process, that next day you're like, oh, man, not again. Right? Come on. They're not wanting to shake their head, but they're thinking it inside. Right? Any other context, you're a boss over somebody, you've got somebody you work with, doesn't do the right thing, you get frustrated, right? And you groan about it, and it doesn't go well with you, right? Come on, it's okay to admit it, guys. Yes, it's just true. It's true. Look, let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. It's never of advantage to anybody when people are not together in unison, moving forward in unity. It's never, never an advantage. It's always a disadvantage. Let me say it like this. The king requires you submit to your leaders in a way that brings them joy for your own advantage. So don't follow blindly, but don't follow begrudgingly either, right? God has placed your leaders in their positions to lead you on his journey for his glory, for his kingdom. And it's difficult to care for those who don't care for you. Did you hear that? It's difficult to care for those who don't care for you. i to tell you a little secret. I'm going to take a couple extra minutes to talk about this for a second because this is really important. You don't realize how well sound travels in this building. So we hear when people say things about us as leaders. If we don't hear it echoing in the halls, we hear it as other people murmur it, right? And, and, and I'll tell you now, the, the leaders we have here right now are committed to loving you and serving you, whether it be deacons or pastors or wherever they are. They're here to love you and serve you no matter what you do, no matter how you go. They want to serve you and love you. But it's hard to do that, and it's harder and harder to do that when you don't love them back. You're not just to submit to leaders. You're supposed to love your leaders. There's some, How many love one another's are there in Scripture? They're almost innumerable. So if your heart's not right towards a leader. If you hear yourself talking negatively about one of your leaders and it seems to be habitual, or you just seem to go to that really quick, or somebody says a name and you give a snarky remark instantly, maybe you need to check your heart and ask the Lord to reveal any bitterness or, or, or strife in your heart. It goes for everybody, but I'm talking about leaders here because the passage is talking about leaders. Here, here's some questions to ask. Are you holding God's chosen leaders in high esteem? Not because of them and because they're so awesome, right, but because God placed them there. Are you, are you speaking well of those leaders? Look, it's also difficult to lead those who won't follow. You ever try to do that? I do it all the time. I have five kids, six and under. Any given time, there's two, three, four, five of them that aren't following you, right? And poor little Catherine. It's not her fault. She can't walk yet. But you can just take off and get in the car, and you're like, let's go, and then nobody's, well, nobody's back there, right? It's so difficult to lead when people won't follow. So, so here's a question for you. Are you a joy to be led? Are you being a joy to be led? It doesn't mean don't ask the hard questions. It just means are you being a joy? Here's another one. It's impossible to lead those who won't submit to the king. That's the hardest one. It's impossible to lead those who won't submit to the king. Listen, some of us will have choices to make at some point in this faith family that you may not like the choices set before you, but the question is not whether you like them. The question is whether or not you've gone to the Lord and asked him if it's what he we're supposed to do. Today we're going to vote on a budget. And I don't really personally like hear me right. Okay, I'm I'm kind of the one that I'd be careful how I say this, because I'm brash. You know, you ever met a brash person to say things out there? We say, I don't, I don't, I don't really care what any of us want to do with the budget. I care what God wants us to do with our money that we give to Him. Right? I don't I don't really care what any of us in here want to do with. The tempo of the music, up or down, fast or slow, right? I, don't really care. I, I want to pray through that and ask, what's going to lead people to worship? Well, Lord, how do you want us to sing to you today? I don't really care about the, the, the curriculum we use in small groups. I don't really care about that. What I care about is how does God tell us to do those things together? And does it lead us to love one another well? Is that, what, is that fulfilling God's commands in those ways? You, you understand what I'm saying? This has to change for all of us, and it's a hard change because some things are so close to our heart. They're so close to our heart. So here's a question for you. And follow this one away for later. This is the last question I'm going to ask. Are you creating dissension that might be in opposition to God's plan for his faith family? Are you creating dissension that might be in opposition to God's plan for his faith family? That's a great question we need to ask. I need to ask myself that question all the time. Am I going against the Lord just because I want it a certain way? That's the hard questions, right? And sometimes it's so hard to tell what the answers are. We just keep praying and praying until all of us come together and we have unity on those things. Now, Hebrews 13, 17, read one more time. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Listen, don't join the church ever. And if you think you've joined the church, get it out of your head. Submit to our King. Submit to our King. That's what we're called to do. Submit to our king. If you do that, you will be a part of a local faith family. It's just part of what happens. Now, I'm going to say it this way in summation, just a few little points, right? Obey your leaders and submit to them. That's what he says. Just as your king Jesus obeyed and submitted to his father, his leader, and went to the cross. It wasn't fun for him, and it may not be fun for us, but we need to do it anyway. Submit to the king. And God the Father kept watch over his soul, right? Kept watch over him, even as he was pouring out his wrath on the Son, who willingly took it down for us in our place. The wrath that was intended for us because of our sin, which Jesus endured unto his death. Because of Jesus' sacrifice for us in our place. We don't have to give an account for our sin. He already gave an account for it. Right? We don't have to worry about that so much. He's already done it. He's written it off already. So when it says that we have to give an account, Jesus has already given an account for all of us. He's already paid the price. So now let us submit to him, our king, and obey him in such a way that brings him joy, not in a way that makes him groan, for that would be of no advantage to us. Amen? In Jesus, we have redemption through the blood of his cross the forgiveness of our sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which God set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth, straight out of his own words. We've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus in order to be united with him and his body, the church. If God is calling you to become a member of this faith family, don't put it off any longer. For the sake of your own soul, for the glory of God, give yourself to the one who gave himself for you on the cross and commit to the body of believers to whom God is calling you and to whom Christ committed his own life. But don't join the church. Submit to your king. And if you have never put yourself under the king. Today is the day to do that. He says, repent and believe for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We are an expression of that. So today, put your hope and faith in the Lord Jesus. Turn from your sins, whether it be the first time or the thousandth time, and turn to the Lord and worship him and give your all to him because he's given all of him for you. I'm going to pray for us and then Charles is going to stand up here for us. As we have a time of invitation. And we're going to play another song for you. And we're going to talk about the fact that God has done away with death. Because of Jesus' death on the the cross. John Owen said it like this. It's the death of death and the death of Christ. And we're going to sing of that to his glorious grace. And if you need someone to pray with you, Charles will be up here in the front to, to pray with you. If you need somebody to speak with you afterwards, we will be around for that time. And then we're going to have a short meeting. But right now, don't walk away without dealing with the Lord. You need to talk to him now, wherever you are. Turn to him. Go to him. Speak to him now as we pray and as we sing. And we'll be here for you after. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you are always good. And that you have been so good to us that you would give us your son, Jesus. God, we are unable to ever accomplish anything on our own that would be so good as to make to make it high enough in our abilities to be perfect. But your son Jesus lived perfectly and died the death that we deserve so we could have the life that only he deserved, which is life beyond measure that will never end. So thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Help us submit to him as our king. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.